Well, as these magi came, they delivered one of the strongest messages to us as believers. What they're saying is twofold. One thing is that God loves us. And God desired to be in our life and to be close to us. To where he was willing to come all the way from heaven, all the way to earth. To let us know that a God that people had not seen became a God that could be seen. And that one that cherished them. Then the Magi, coming from faraway land. In fact, 500 years before, God had begun to prepare these Magi for the day. In fact, when Daniel was carried away to the foreign land 500 years prior, and with such a love for God, they could not make him bow, they couldn't make him quit praying. Where Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego took a strong stand of love for God in a foreign land. And those little four men felt so small in such large oppositions against them. But their love for God lasted through many generations. And so 500 years later, there was still a group of wise men that had believed the message that Daniel had told them. That out of the book of Zechariah, that there would come one and his star would shine. So 500 years later, they're still bearing the torch. And though they stand waiting for the star. And what they're saying to us is that it mattered not what inconvenience it takes. It matters not what you have to disrupt. <laughs> it matters not what plans have to go out the window to respond to God's desire to be with them was worth the price that was paid. Amen. So they responded. I just want you to make sure at this season, in the midst of the little jolly red guy, <laughs> red suited guy, in the midst of this tree, in the midst of the presence, that you make sure that your family knows that there is an altar in your home. And in that altar is the place that God came to meet with us. And that same desire in God's heart still lives today. Can you say amen? We're going to talk about how to offer our gifts to the Lord during this season. We've been talking about the presence of God. In fact, the Lord dealt with me in the sense of the presence of God or the Christmas season in spiritual warfare. Those two things don't seem to fit. Although, unless you begin to think about it, it was truly spiritual warfare when the God of heaven invaded earth. And to develop those and to let the people know how much he loved them. And to let the demons know that their time was short. <laughs> that the power of the cross could prevail. Can you say amen? So we look for it this season to present to the Lord... Our lives, but not only our lives, our desire, our response to be close to God. It is as the Magi, as they came, if their response, there was no inconvenience that was too large 
to meet God. (laughs) And that's why the Lord gave us the next is our position. When he told us to, for us to draw near to God. Because he's already come. And then God will respond to us by drawing near to him. So we're learning at this season how to desire the presence of God. We're going to go to right now for about four minutes, Brother Eric. And he has become known throughout the world as almost the pastor of the presence of God. Because his heart to help us move into the presence of God has lived so strong. I want you to listen to Brother Eric. One of the most common questions that I receive, no matter where I am at the School of His Presence, is, I have failed. Is this going to stop my experience of God? Okay, let me just answer that by saying this. We do not come to God because we are worthy. We come to God because He is worthy. We do not come to God because we're perfect. We come to God and He perfects us. The presence is not a gift for those that are holy. It is a gift to make us holy. See, coming to Jesus quickens us with love for Him. It makes us be able to hear Him. It makes us be able to obey Him. Independence is the root of all sin. When men fail, it is because, number one, they lack the power to overcome, and many times the desire to overcome. And both of these things are symptoms of independence what is independence it is not being dependent upon God so abiding in Christ is the issue if we will depend upon him independence is not depending but if we depend we'll be freed from the results of independence so our empowerment to love him our empowerment to obey him our desires to, to desire Him, our desires to want Him and obey Him, all come from dependency upon Him. Man draws from God through dependency. Another thing is, is this. The language of dependency is adoration. So, wherever you are right now, do not let failure block you from coming to Jesus. As a matter of fact, What we do in the time of failure and what we do in the time of victory is the same exact thing. We come to Jesus. Coming to Jesus is the only thing that is going to save us and keep us and bring us from glory to glory. So whether you've failed, whether you're doing well, whether you want to climb into new places of revelation of Jesus, it's all at the same entry point. Coming to Jesus. Let me say one more time. If we will depend upon Him, adoration will lift up from our souls. Our soul's receptivity will open and receive God. And receiving God is the way to love Him, the way to receive power to obey Him, the way to even desire Him. So let me pray for you. Precious Lamb, I ask you that you would give unto us a deep pull to be with you. And as we come to you, no matter what state our heart is in, we would find you there. And Lord, teach us dependency. 
May we recognize that for the rest of our lives we will be learning dependency. And I pray that we would give ourselves over to the learning of dependency and therefore abiding in you and receiving your own life. In Jesus' name. Friends, we do not graduate from dependency. For the rest of your life, in my life, we will be learning how to lean upon Him, how to depend more deeply upon Him. And every failure was first a failure to depend upon Him. So coming to Jesus is the, the only way to continue on. So, failure, victory, wanting new places in God. Here's your entry point. Come to Jesus. God bless you. So it is the great desire of our heart, isn't it? To come close to God. Wow, we want to learn how. I want to be able to cultivate. I want to be able to cultivate my senses. To be able to sense the Lord's nearness. I don't want to be all the time feeling like God is a thousand miles away. If you're here this morning and and you feel isolated and you feel so far and you feel so alone, I want to encourage you, wow, to just learn, cultivate the presence of God in your life. Because He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. And He wants all of us to know how much he loves. In fact, there's not a need that could exist in any of our lives that coming closer to God would not satisfy. In fact, Jesus proved that throughout the Gospels. Wherever Jesus was, the need was taken care of. Whether it was a need for an abundance of food or whether it was a need for to be healed or need to be raised from the dead. Wherever Jesus was, wherever the presence of Jesus the need was taken care of. So whatever need that you're facing possibly this Christmas, whether it is loneliness, whether it's discouragement, maybe you're facing grief that you've never had to face before. Maybe you feel all alone. Or maybe there is no money and no finances for Christmas. Maybe you feel like I'll have some disappointed children. Wherever it is, there is no need that's able to exist in the presence of Jesus. So I want to encourage you to offer Jesus a gift this Christmas. And that is of closeness. Of closeness with Him. You could offer Him a million dollars, but He doesn't need it because He paves His streets with the stuff. (laughs) But what He wants out of all of our lives is the closeness that we have with the Lord. Last week we talked about the benefits of being close to God. Wow, such supernatural benefits come available to us as we grow close to the Lord. Today I want to talk about the roadblocks or the hindrances. The hindrances in my life of being close to God. Because I not only need to know the benefit of the reward that comes into my life from diligently seeking Him, but also know how can I get close How can I get the hindrances out of the way? Amen? So if we was to just think about him, let's let's start in the book of Revelation, chapter 3 and verse 20. Jesus says there, he says, look, I stand at the door of your heart and I'm knocking. 
He said, if you hear my voice, he said, open the door. He said, I will come in and we will share fellowship together. Jesus said, I'm standing here knocking each one of your hearts. I'm wanting to be closer. You've got the door key. (laughs) Just open, he says. In Psalm 24, 7, it says it like this, a little bit different. It said, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, ye everlasting doors, that the King of glory may enter. He said, who is this King of glory? Then it identified, it says, he's the Lord, strong and mighty. What are you needing in your life? God is strong and he's mighty. Then it gives the description of him, it says, He's the one that is mighty in battle. <laughs> this says, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and ye everlasting doors. Lift up that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? He's the Lord of hosts. He's the King of glory. Because of all through the Bible, all the various victors of the Bible realized this needed area. That's why all through the Bible, great men and women of God, they knew that their need was to be closer to the Lord. That's why the entire book of Psalms is given to the subject. David could have said, I need to learn how to fight with the sword. (laughs) David could have said, I need to learn how to lead men into battle because he did that. He could have said, I need to learn how to be a good husband at home because he had failed at that. He could have said, I need to be a daddy of children because certainly he needed help there. But David said, my need is for the presence of God. And because he made that his great desire of being closer to God, then God began to move in every one of those areas that I just mentioned to you. Can you say amen? So we're going to talk about the hindrances to God's closeness or the the blocks that the enemies tried to build in our lives or the barriers to that closeness. Amen? Now the Hebrew word for presence is the word face. When David said, I will seek your presence, he said, I will seek your face. There's certain things about seeing someone's close face. One thing, when you're close to their face, you can hear what they say. How many of you here this morning need to hear a word from the Lord? Amen. You can hear what they say. But not only can you hear what they say, you can see them clearly. See, some of you are facing situations and going through circumstances and And you say, I can't find God in the midst of my dilemma. Let me encourage you. When you begin to see his face, you begin to see clearly. But not only do you hear his voice, Jimmy, and not only do you see his face, you begin to feel his touch. That's what the Lord is saying to us. Now, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Wherever Jesus was... They could see his face, they could hear his voice, and they could feel his touch. Wherever that Jesus was, wherever the presence of God. That's why the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is so important to us. 
Because it tells us how we're to live this life. And as long as somebody was in the presence of Jesus, they could be taken care of. So I want to encourage you to grow and cultivate that sense of the being presence of the Lord. Amen? Amen. We're going to talk about the distractions or the things that, the hindrances of being the presence of God. Now, we could mention a lot of things. We could mention pride, arrogance, fear, immorality, anger, frustration, self-dependency, wrong focus, wrong desire, not desiring the things of the world, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, vainness. I mean, there are gobs of things that we could answer. We could put in there. Things that have come as little dealers and robbers that try to rob our focus off of the presence of God. But I want to talk to you about it in a different way. I do want to reminisce and tell you that the Word of God tells you completely the things that can get in our way. One verse said, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. It said, don't grieve the presence of God. And, and there it lists there in the book of Ephesians the things that grieve the presence of God. And it's the way that I live. It's, it's the actions of my heart. It's what I feel about people. The glorious thing about the Magi is not only that they came, but that they went. Let me explain this to you. The Magi came and there's something about the presence of God that every time you come near, it brings change in your life. The Bible said that when the Magi came and they left, they was warned of God in a dream. And they was given a different path in life. I'm going to tell you what, some of us need a different path. Some of us need a different road. Some of us need a different instruction. Some of us need a different way to deal with whatever we're dealing with. Some of us need to walk in a way that's different so that's what happened to the Magi. When, once they came there and they was touched by Jesus in His presence, then their path became different. So that's what we're going to look at when we talk about the hindrances. What are some of the things that I can readjust in my life and get out of the way that can literally help me to be closer to God? What can I do in my life? What are some readjustments that I can make that will literally bring me into His presence in a greater way. Now, we already talked about last week, there's wonderful benefits from being in the presence of God. It's everything from healing to deliverance, to help, to wisdom, to knowledge, to understanding, to being able to find stability in life. All of those are wonderful benefits that come from being in the presence of God. There's just something that happens to us miraculously. There was the group that was standing around this front. There was those of you that were standing in your seat that, that when the midst of our worship this morning, something happened to you. It did. And if you will allow it, that that started in you, it will continue working in you until you become absorbed by God's victory. Amen. All right, the first thing that I want to mention is hindrances to me being in the presence of God is not honoring His presence. 
I mean, right now, how many of you are cooking dressing? How many of you are eating dressing? Lane, I know what you're thinking about. (laughs) How many of you are getting your work worked out? But but why not honor God? Uh, Honor God is my focus. It's my attention. The way I honor God, the way I honor His presence is that I set my focus like flint. And I will not let the lesser distractions of life have my attention when it's the possibility of me entering the presence of God. That's why we sit in church like this. We don't allow our minds to wonder. We're honoring God. Because in a moment, God may show up and I may be forever changed. His presence has within it the power to change me forever. (laughs) His presence has within it the power to heal me forever. His presence has within it the power to provide for my life forever. So you're thinking, I'm going to miss a moment. I'm going to dishonor God. Dishonor means I don't honor. (laughs) Dishonor is not an action. It's a lack of. So if I want the presence of God in my life, I've got to begin to treasure it. Begin to honor it. And I honor it by giving my focus, my attention, that any moment that I feel this may be a doorway, I hear him knocking. <laughs> this may be a doorway for me to, for him to enter with his presence and forever change my life. Then I'm going to honor him. Amen. So it's attention. It's not neglecting him. It's giving him his presence. The major focus of my life. Now for years I've, I've watched my life as, as I would handle it half-heartedly. But a few years ago my life got into such a bad way. It brought change in me. I pray that your life doesn't have to get in that bad way before it brings change in us. Man, when the music starts or a praise starts or somebody starts, there's that that was in me that says, I must give attention to Him. Amen? All right, the first way then is by not honoring God. If I don't honor the Lord with my focus, with my attention, the second way is, is no, is that He will not occupy the same place that demons occupy in my life. Now that's abrupt, I know. But let's just talk about it just a quick moment. There's not a one of us that the issues that we have now in our life, they was planted in our life as children. The beginning of every problem that we have was placed in our life through our childhood. 
And unless those issues are resolved, we're going to never find the presence of God any greater that will be able to bring change in my life. There's two things that have to happen. Number one, I've got to let God heal me. I've got to let God, I've got to believe that not only can God heal me here, but God can heal me here. Because the Bible says that He is anointed. I just love that, don't you? He is anointed to heal the broken hearts. <laughs> so whatever your life is broken now, it was broken as a child. Someone failed you, disappointed you, or possibly you viewed it that way. That left these ramifications of these ravages. That I have to, number one, have to allow it to be healed. Or number two, have to be delivered. Now, deliverance works in two forms. Two forms. The major form of deliverance is self-deliverance. It literally that you begin to gain the truth of God and you... You take that truth and you say, I will not allow myself to feel this way anymore. I will not allow myself to give way to thee. I will not allow this discouragement. I will not allow this to happen to me anymore. And literally, you begin to take the Word of God and you self-deliver. I think the Word of God is full of that. When I came to Jesus 50-something years ago, I came to the Lord and there were several things that were immediately delivered from my life. From salvation experience. From my salvation experience, there were several things that were immediately delivered out of my life. I remember that night, I knelt in front of that television set, listened to Billy Graham on TV. He was talking about my rock is not your rock. And all of a sudden, his rock became my rock. And I accepted the Lord there that night. And a lot of things left me that moment. But there were still certain things that was holding on in my life. If I knew if I left those things in my life, they would eventually destroy my life. One such thing, there was such an unbelievable anger that was held to me. That didn't leave it my salvation. I just became saved and angry. <laughs> if there is such a thing. <laughs> uh, back before that, I mean, whatever, it was this, it was this demonic thing toward anger. I would, you know, ram my hand through so many glass windows, glass doors, whatever it was. I would just hit. I mean, it was it was this thing in me that when this anger would build up, it seemed like that I would couldn't release it. It had to be released. And so what happened is the Word of God. How many love the Word of God? The Word of God came to my rescue and what salvation still lacked in me took that word and I could begin to chop on that anger man I begin to chop and I begin to cut it off of my life you know why they say they make a beautiful statue they just cut away everything that doesn't look beautiful well that's what happened in my life these things are in me so God gave us the word of the Lord and you begin what I call self-deliverance You begin to say, devil, you will not rule my life in this way. I will not live under your bondage anymore. You will not conquer my life anymore. 
And even though I failed many, many times, eventually, freedom came. And that sense of anger is no more in my life. In fact, I'm the opposite of that now. Sometimes I a little pray. I need a little godly anger, Lord. <laughs> but I tell you, deliverance feels good. How many of you have experienced something like that? Jump up and give the Lord a hand clap if you've experienced something like that. Oh, I tell you what. But if, but if some things have been left in your life and they haven't been beat down by the power of the blood and by the power of the cross and by the word of God, they hadn't been beat down. Then they, have you noticed when I get loud, music is loud? <laughs> How did that happen? Jimmy. <laughs> but the things that have not been down, if I allowed them to stay in my life, and I've walked with some people, it was like that. Not only did they, it became such a bondage to where they needed more than self-deliverance. They could no longer deliver themselves. They needed ministry deliverance. So if you've got things that's going on in your life, let me tell you, if you've got bondages in your life, honey, don't stop until you're free. Don't stop until you're free. And that that is hindering you from the presence of God, because it works like this. If you blow your top and you try to move into the presence of God, immediately you feel guilty. And instead of having faith, guilt begins to rule in your life. But I'm going to tell you what, darling. If you'll begin to fight that stuff out of you, if you'll begin to take that word of God and fight that down and become the person that God has created you to be, the word of God has that power in our life, then all of a sudden, the presence, even while you're being delivered, man, the presence of God, if you know you're on the, there's something about a warrior. A warrior has this sense of honor. That when the parade starts, the soldier wants to march. Then there's something about God in that sense. So if you're fighting today, you may be here and you may still be under such a yoke of bondage. But honey, if you're fighting, I want you to know the presence of God is for you. Amen. Demons take advantage of our weaknesses. If you're given to self-pity, if you've given to deep discouragement, I'll tell you what, those things are not the presence of God. What you've got to begin to do is to separate what is the presence of God and what is not the presence of God. The presence of God is not self-pity. It's not discouragement. It's not feeling sorry for yourself. It's not being mad at the group. It's not blaming everybody but you. That's not the presence of God. But then you begin to learn what is the presence of God. The Bible says that we're to have our senses so trained. Our senses trained to where we can sense the difference. This is God and this is not God. I've had some people that was as mad as a hornet and try to say it was God. Let me tell you what. That's not God. 
There is a sense of love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and kindness and meekness and temperance that is God. So what the Lord's calling you to do is discern the difference. Growing up in God means I can discern what, what is God and what's not God. And so those things that's hindering me from being in the presence of God, I'm going to get rid of them. I'm going to fight them back or I'm going to get delivered from them. I'm going to allow God to heal it. When I went for healing, uh, Kairos has been such a marvelous... But how many of you enjoyed Kairos? Do you remember when we traveled all the way to Dallas, sat in the healing presence of God and allow ourselves to be healed? The first time I went, I wept like a baby for two weeks. I could not even... Because every time God was healing me, I'm going to tell you, if you've got issues that's going on in your life that need to be healed, if you will begin to offer yourself to the presence of God, God has healing power for us all. Amen? Praise the Lord. All right, in my, in my spiritual development, there's two things that must be. Another thing that hinders me is my spiritual development. One thing that we, are become, we have become, we determine, I'm going to become a student of the Word. How many of you have determined that in your heart? You're going to become a student of the Word. That we're going to become that for the glory of God. If I have two regrets in my life, two major regrets. I have a lot of little regrets, but two major regrets. One of my regrets has to do deal with family. The other regret, the major regret, is that I didn't treasure God's Word enough all of my formative years. Because the Word of God has within it the power to bring God into my situation. The Word of God has within it the power to change me and to change it. And my greatest regret in life is that I did not treasure the Word of God like I should have. But number one, we become a student of the Word. But number two is that we have to become students of His presence. Now let me tell you how they fight each other. Because becoming a student of the Word, we learn to walk by faith and not by what? Not by sight. And we always usually tack another little part on that. That we walk by faith, not by sight, or not by feeling. And because of that, many of us have deadened the, 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 the voice of our feeling. We have deadened it because the power of God's Word. And, and we've learned to be. But, but we forgot that in the process of our growth... We was to become a student of the Word of God that literally was able to take a promise. And say, if you're going through a situation, honey, all you need is a promise. All you need is a scripture. So if you're facing a circumstance this morning, ask God to give you a scripture that will be able to set you free. And God, can, but we also become a student of His presence. Now, when I when I think about becoming a student of His presence. Then there's other things that go to play. There's other things, like in John, well, pardon me, like in Hebrews, let's get that, like in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. It said, but solid food is for the spiritually mature. That they have trained their senses to discern what is good and what is evil. Let me just say to you, we wasn't to do away with our feeling. We was to train our feeling. You remember earlier I said you got to discern what's God and not God? I say God's not feeling sorry for yourself. You know that's not God. But there are senses of strength and senses of grace 
There is a sense of encouragement in the presence of God. There is a sense of, of power in the presence of God. There is a sense of courage. It comes in the presence of God. So what happens is we were to discern or we retrain our senses. What that means is you're to take your feelings and you're to discern with them. This is wrong. This is right. And you develop your senses in the ability to feel the presence of God. And the presence of God is always full of love, always full of joy, always full of faith, always full of power, always full of glory. So what it is, then you learn. I'm going to train my senses. Lord, I worship you. You know, the beautiful thing about worshiping God is it's so easy. Because the Bible tells us that God begins to feel or inhabit the praise of his people. And so God has made worship so easy. You don't have to even sing good. You don't have to have a good voice. You don't have to be able to play an instrument. You don't have to play drums like Toby. Or you don't have to play a guitar. Or you don't have to do anything. Like Lincoln. You, you don't have to play anything. You can just begin to praise God. I want you to turn it up just a bit. We're going to close. There's several of these hindrances. But I'm going to stop with this one this morning. Because there is a flow of ministry that we believe is going to take place out of this. What happens is, because the Bible said God inhabits the praise of His people. Now, I don't know about you. But I began to sense the presence of God the moment I began to focus that I was going to spend a moment worshiping God. When my hands began to raise right there, I began to sense the presence of God. Now, what you've got to know, God's presence is tangible. God's presence is tangible. What that means is, they could literally feel, see here when Jesus was with them and when he wasn't. That's why the woman with the issue of blood, where's that light at? That's why the woman with the issue of blood, what she said, if I can just touch him, I'm going to tell you what, God has a touch for a lot of you in the midst of your life and in the midst of your circumstances. Said, if I can just touch him, if I can just get into the presence of God, and if I can just touch him, she said, I will be made whole. And so I can just begin. I begin to think about worshiping, praising God. Immediately, when I began to give my attention to that a moment ago, I began to sense the presence of God. A moment ago, when I began to raise my hands and worship, immediately I began to sense a greater move of the presence of God. The Bible says that God inhabits the praise of His people. What your needs have done, your needs have created a vacuum. Somebody says, how am I going to fill my vacuum? Somebody says, well, I'm going to fill mine with worry. Somebody else says, I'm going to fill mine with doubt. Somebody says, I'm going to fill my vacuum with unbelief, with discouragement. But somebody steps up to the plate and they say, I'm going to fill my vacuum with praise. And God has a way 
God has a way, just like it was when he was breathing into Adam. And the breath that God breathed into him. What happens in your vacuum? God has enough to completely fill your vacuum. Now you've got a choice. You can fill your vacuum with worry. You can fill your vacuum with doubt. You can fill your vacuum with unbelief. Or you can begin to fill your vacuum with the worship of God. Which will cause the breath of God. See, the Spirit in the Old Testament, the word Spirit means breath. It means wind of God. What happens is, when you allow your vacuum, whatever you're going through, somebody said, you don't understand. This thing I'm going through has left me empty. Honey, it's left you empty so God can fill it with His fullness. Amen. The reason you feel empty is because God is wanting to fill it with something of Him. And so what we do, we take that emptiness and we begin to worship you, Lord. We just begin to worship God. And the Bible says that an immediate response takes place. God begins to fill that vacuum with His presence. Now there's various degrees of His presence. So the more, the deeper, the more focused worship I give Him, the more degree of His presence comes into my life. That's why Jesus was so focused. That's why in the garden He was so focused. He was so focused that His, that his literally veins began to sweat blood because He was so focused When you get focused and you don't have heartily, something's going to happen. The presence of God is going to be the end of hell. Somebody says, Jerry, how can I get my marriage filled? How can I get my home filled? How can I get my physical body filled? How can I get, how can I get my health filled? How can I get this loneliness that I feel healed? How can I get it filled? My answer to you this morning, lay aside the hindrances and worship God. And as you worship God, God comes to fill that vacuum.